Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, let me see if I can do the Haftarah tonight. Um, today's podcast being sponsored by Yoshio Levenger, nephew, my nephew, and in Muncie, I think it's his, in uh, honor of his father's yard. It wasn't that long ago. That's my late brother Ari Levenger, passed away in two thousand. Um, and uh, mentioned me he was talking. I want to do the Haftarah this week's Haftarah, which is Vayikra. Almost made a mistake and thought it was Shabbos Agoto, but that's next week. The Shabbos Agoto drushes that everybody's giving this week. Matav Torah is the Payekro. That is the famous Isaiah 4344, which is a doozy. In order to understand what's going on over here, this week's Torah, which is very bitter, it's a bitter Torah. So, in order to know what's fine, you got to know the history of that time, and that is that Ishayahu, the prophet Isaiah, Operated in the kingdom of Yehuda during and the very beginning of the book, during the time of uh, a number of kings, namely uh, uh, Uziah and Yosom and Ochaz and Chizkiah. So I mean, maybe that means something, maybe it doesn't mean something. It should, but during his lifetime, um, the Jewish kingdom—it's the kingdom of the south, the king of Yehuda. Went through uh, radical changes up and down. It was like a roller coaster. From not from not from from super from super anti from, and <clears throat> it's not always easy to peg which prophecy he's giving, at which time. But I don't think it's so hard. So I'm just sharing my opinion because that's all I ever do. And <clears throat> I'll tell you what I mean. He started out as a prophet, and according to Jewish tradition, he was a prince. <clears throat> Yeshaya was a member of the royal family. He was related to the royal family. But on the other hand, it was a frummy. Most of the Malchi based of it and their royal family were spoiled brats, unfortunately. And were not good. But some were. And Yeshayah was one of those. <coughs> now, <coughs> in his time, <coughs> excuse me, in his time, uh, things were tumultuous. And very specifically, Nogator Haftar today, it depended on which king is what the direction of the kingdom is going to go. Now, if you know the history of the King of Yehuda of the South, <clears throat> not the King of Yisrael, but King of Yehuda, so you know that there's more or less 20 kings, about 10 and 10 roughly. The first 10 were losers, with one exception or two, and the second 10 included some psychopaths. Okay? Now, what do I mean when I say that? <clears throat> the first 10, if you start to go down the line, Rechavim, Avio, also was not so good. Yeshua was good. But then, who do you have? Achais, Yehoram, Achazio, Salio, Yoash, Amos. It's a string of losers. <coughs> now, when I say losers, <coughs> they uh, weren't from. Uh, they made some bad mistakes. They acted arrogantly. Didn't listen to the prophets. Uh, and most importantly, from the point of view of whoever wrote the book of Malachim, Devriyamim, 
they allowed idols of one form or another. Now, when I say they allowed idols of one form or another, what I mean is <clears throat> they allowed Avodah to flourish in the king of Yehudah. I didn't say they themselves worshipped idols. Some of them did. But they didn't <clears throat> stop uh, the worship of idols in the king of Yehudah. And I mean the full business. Uh, Baal, Asherah, the, you know, the, the Molech, <clears throat> human sacrifices, the whole nine yards. Now, some kings were more, some kings were less. It's not that they were all the same. It depends. you got to know each king by king. I'm not going to give a lecture on every king of the south. <clears throat> Only in once no get to our story today. In uh, When I say psychopaths, I mean the following. After the first ten kings or so, when you get to, um, there was Yosh and Amatsia, and then <clears throat> the, two, the first two kings I mentioned of the time of Yeshayo was Uzio and Yoso. Now, they were both good guys. Uh, I mean, there were no idols. The kings at least were opposed to idols. I didn't say there was no idols. It's like today, you understand? Tell me everybody's from, but really behind closed doors, who knows what's going on? You know this and I know this, right? And I don't care if it's Lakewood or, or B'nai Brock or anywhere. Who knows what's going on Mom's behind closed doors? Now, um, that was a problem at that time as well. <clears throat> now, uh, King Uziah and King Yosem had their, were, were, for the most part, doing the right thing. Uziah was king for 50 years. He's the guy that got leprosy because he tried to do the Kohen Gadol job and do the Keteris. That's nuts. Meaning, what do you gain from that? But he wasn't an idol worshiper. <clears throat> I just want to be very clear about that. It says something along the lines, something like that. So because he was Matzliach. The Pasuk says in Divrayam, as long as he trusted to his God, he was Matzliach. And he was a fairly successful king of the South in many ways, which I won't go into. But at one point he got arrogant. <clears throat> And for some reason or another, he wanted to usurp the function of the coin Gadol, and he got stricken with leprosy. Okay, I get it. And he remained for the rest of his life in leprosy. That's how he died. Uh, I understand, but I just want to be clear. He wasn't an Obed of Udazara, and he didn't do anything against the Jewish religion in general. And during his time, as far as we can tell, Yiddishkeit flourished. I didn't say there were no idols, but at least the government had his heart in the right place. And his successor, and this is the time he showed, was Yosam, who seems to have been very firm, if you go by Chazal, a big tzaddik and all the rest of it. Although, <clears throat> if you read Yeshayo, you can tell there's a lot of junk going underneath the level of the king. And you had idols, and let's push the idols aside, you had a lot of social injustice with the rich screwing the poor, and the system was uh, act, uh, you know, caving in for the rich. That means there's injustice. <clears throat> if there's no mishpat, melch mishpat yam and arts, no mishpat, God gets angry, and destroys the Jews. You're him to that effect. So in other words, there are several things that take God off. Idols is one of them. That is true. It's not the only one, though. You could have a situation where everybody had a strangle, kapata, and ten payas, but if the rich are taking advantage of the poor, and um, you have unbridled capitalism, you know, and things like that, then I don't care how many, uh, what do you call it, uh, you know, like I say, payas or gartos you have, uh, God will wipe you out, or kick the Jews out of Israel. So there was a certain amount of social injustice. <clears throat> However, I want to be clear, the king, Yosem, was pretty stark against idols. Okay? But then Yosem died. And when he died, he was succeeded by Ochaz. Ochaz is the first of the psychopaths. You have four kings. There's Ochaz, there's Menashe, there's Ammon, and there is um, Yoyakim. These are four kings of the south. I want you to understand... These are grandchildren of King David. This is from the, quote-unquote, firmer of the two kingdoms. The northern kingdom is nothing to talk about. 
the, even the firmer two kingdoms <coughs> had uh, bad issues with the with the kings, <laughs> with many of the kings. Now, um, Achaz, for some reason or another, went nuts, and he declared war against Judaism, and he wiped out all the from. So it's not like earlier kings who had been losers, who they themselves might have worshipped idols, but they didn't launch a campaign against somebody else who doesn't worship idol. By the time of Achaz, that's what happened. He became so uh, fanatical that anybody was from, he killed. And every Sefer Torah he burned and destroyed. And anything that was Kedusha, he perverted and profaned. You understand? The Gemara says, he, he says, I'm going to drive the Shechina out. What kind of a nut talks like that? You understand? You believe in God. You hear what I'm saying? If you want to drive the Shechina out, you say, yes, I do believe in God, but I want to punch him in the nose. I want to drive him crazy. I want to get him. Now, it's hard to fathom that, but nevertheless, it happened. <clears throat> I think that our Haftar today is from that time. Because the king, who was in power for 16 years, who was nuts, launched a reign of terror against Ephraim. And there was a tremendous amount of idolatry going on. Which means, now you're going to laugh at what I'm saying, but it's not funny at all. Which means, a lot of money was made in the idol business. <laughs> you get it? If the king is in favor of this, then all of a sudden, uh, it affects a certain part of the economy. Uh, people who are woodworking and craftsmen and junk like that, uh, it's a good pernoso. You want another geshka? No problem. You know, three bottles on the line. Three asheras coming down the line. You know, it's on a sale this week. And the result is that the country, got, that the from part got destroyed, where it had to be driven underground. And uh, now the next king reversed it. Okay, that's Chizkiel. But let, let, let's, that's not what our Haftorah is about today. Our Haftorah is, is taking place, as I understand it, in the time of Achaz, during the reign of terror. And uh, the result is idolatry is flourishing like crazy, and the gov and the chinuch was organized that way. He, according to Chazal, he said, "I mean, genoyim If there are no uh, big sheep, there won't be any little sheep, uh, or the other way around. Meaning, I'll wipe out the chinuch. And once you wipe out the chinuch, the yeshivas and things like that, then of course everybody will become total idol worshippers. And when I say total idol worshippers, I'm a demolish believe these sticks and stones. You understand? Not like the earlier form of Jewish idol worship, which I spoke about in the past, which had to do with the golden calf, which is a much more complex business. You know, it's an idol of God and so forth. No, these are plain and simple idols that they worship just like everybody else. The king was interested in pushing the idea that they should be exactly like the of the other countries, primitive, dumb, and stupid, and fully in, in business with the idols. So our hero, the prophet Yeshayah, was going nuts over this. Right? He's expressing divine displeasure, and and God is angry at this, and kind of perplexed. You know, saying, like, what the heck just happened? So, as is often the case with the Haftorah, it's, um, you know, censored and uh, cut and pasted so that it should start on a good uh, point. So it's like the beginning, at the end of chapter 43, but the, the interesting stuff is in 44. Uh, it starts out by saying, Amzu Yatsar Dilatilosis, a pair I created Jewish people to, for my praise. In other words, I created Jewish people not to worship idols. <clears throat> right? However, below Osi, Karasa Yaakov, Kiyogadra Yisrael. But you know, it didn't work. I wanted them to be Mesapra Tihilosi. Instead, they're Mesapra Tihilosi of the idols. Below Osi, Karasa Yaakov. Oh, Jacob, you're not calling me Kiyogadra Yisrael. Instead, you, Klai Yisrael, drive me crazy. That's a funny language. It's a very extreme anthropomorphism. That God is saying, you drive me nuts. You make me I'm sick and tired. And he's looking around now. Now I want you to understand. 
the Beis Hamikdash was flourishing for Avodah Everywhere there were idols, tachas kolitzeranon. The reason we know this is because the next king, Chizkiyahu, spent a lot of time getting rid of all this stuff. It took him months and months just to get rid of the idols everywhere. So that means the first king put chock full of idols everywhere, and therefore you're not bringing any carbonus to me. You're bringing plenty of carbonus for these idols you're building every day. Thank you very much. But me, God, you're not giving anything. And you're not burning me with, with incense and things like that. So it's a funny language. Because it sounds like God is jealous, but the answer is God is perfectly jealous. You understand? And he's using the human language to try to get to the audience. You're not buying me any carbonus with the money. Instead... You know what you, so instead of giving me God, um, carbonos and uh, menachos and things like this, instead of supplying me with that, which I ordained in the Torah, this is why it's not Torah this week. Because for whatever reason, like I mentioned yesterday with the Rambab, God says in, in the book of Agra, I want carbonos, I want carbon shlums, I want carbon katases. Right? It's called reich nichoach and things like that. I want them. So, uh, however you understand that. He's saying, you're not doing anything with that. You know what you're supplying me with? Averis. <laughs> Instead, you're, you're, you're worshiping me with your sins and your Averis. By the way, you know, not to belabor this point, Isaiah is the greatest of the poets. Uh, from the Hebrew perspective, it's really wonderful. It's, a, you know, two two uh, independent clauses perfectly balanced poetically. Now, God is saying like this. This is not why I brought to Israel. And I'd like to do the right thing. But you won't... And and basically what I'd like you to do is stop and start uh, with a new slate. If you'll stop, then I'll I'll call the whole thing off. I'll erase your sins. That's why we recite this passage endlessly on um, in the... the, um, What do you call it? The... I will erase the sins you have for my name. It's sort of like what we said a couple weeks ago in the book of Yechezkel. This is grace. You understand? God says, you don't deserve it, but I'll give you a chance anyway. This is what you have to do if you want somebody to come to You simply have to say, listen, if I want to encourage you, I'll say it like this. You know, it's like the library. We'll, 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 we'll call a, a, what's the right word? You know, a free day. All the old overdue books can come in, no questions asked. So if you don't offer that, the person gives up. So, so we're offering it. But the people aren't taking it. Let's discuss this. Right? I want to hear what you, Kal Yisrael, can say by way of justifying yourself, which, of course, you can't. Your fathers were sinners, and your, your defenders were no good. Sorry. Alright, now, that I consider not the important part. Here comes the important part. At the beginning, he starts by saying, Oh, if a glorious future will come, time of Mashiach, come Hashem Yosech, Altira Yaakov, Yisro Bechartibo, Etzik Mal Nozim, I'll sprinkle water, and they'll grow like grass. And one day there'll be a from uh, a Balchuba explosion. Ze Yomer Lashemoni, Vizay Yomishim Yaakov, Vizay Yichtabiyar Lashem, Vizay Yisro Ichana. You know, no, each one become a BT in their own way. One will be Lashem Oni. And one will be B'Shem Yaakov. That's an interesting difference, by the way. Uh, <clears throat> not to belabor the point, but since I'm doing this podcast, what the heck? One will, 
One will be moved by uh, to become BTs. One will be moved uh, by religious feelings, but some will be moved by uh, national feelings. All right, let that be. However, however, um, the key part is that I'm dealing, God says, with um, a generation right now under King Ahaz, which is nuts. They, they just abandoned reason. Uh, and the reason, and, and what he points to is the following. And here's the most eloquent part of the Torah. Idols, as I said before, is a business. So let's say I had I, I was an idol business. Like Terach. We're about to do the Haggadah and we go back to Terach. Terach was an idol business. What's that idol business? Listen, <clears throat> suppose you were an idol business. <clears throat> you work out with the contractors. you got to get the wood suppliers. you got to get your craftsmen. Maybe get an Italian guy who's good in woodwork or something like that. Get a painter. You know, it's, it's a business. You organize. You compete against others. And you, uh, and you go for it. But wait a minute. The idol maker and the idol store owner also worships idols that's a little funny you're selling the thing you know what I'm you know it's a piece of junk you know it's a piece of junk it's just it's something material now look what he says over here uh what kind of generation are we yotri peso kulam tov these people who make the idols they know it's all tov avo but and they know the things that they that they hold precious baluila don't help <clears throat> you're making it <clears throat> you creating this idol. They damn Hema while you're the Mahibosho. They can, the mute, dumb, stupid statue that you're making, whether of wood or stone, is itself the best testimony that they don't know anything or see anything. And really, Lamanibosho. So the person who makes an idol and then bows down to it should feel ashamed. And they're too dumb to feel ashamed. Miyatsarela Pesel Nachach, the guilty hoil. I mean, what kind of an idiot, he says, makes an idol, Pesel Nacha, which doesn't help. Meaning, you created something which you know has no power, because you made it. Now, to be perfectly honest, I'm sure that idol worshippers at that time probably looked as an idol, at least the intelligent ones, as representing a force in nature. But to the prophet Isaiah, they're worshipping the stick and the stones. Right? I mean, the, 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 all your friends... Right? Should be shamed. And the guys that did the fashioning, the artisans. They should all get together and be frightened and ashamed. Meaning, they, they created a statue and now people really believe it's a God. They should be afraid that they perpetrated this fraud upon people. Okay? I mean, listen. It's a business. A guy takes a barzel with some, uh, what do you call it? Uh, you know, uh, 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 a tool, charcoal, he's going into the <clears throat> Michelangelo shop, the place where the iron foundry is, 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 is where they have the uh, charcoal and the uh, furnace, and they're, they're creating these images, these statues. But if a label is real, Coco, and if you walk in there, <clears throat> this is wonderful, here you have an inspection of a labor force. Uh, 25, 2,800 years ago. And the guys who work at this, <clears throat> it's a business. So again, not to be too funny, but the modern American equivalent would be, obviously I'm making this up, the modern American equivalent would be, you have a firm guy 
Well, no, I said it wrong. You have a so-called from guy in Lakewood, but he's in the idol business, really. He's got a bunch of illegal Mexicans working for him in some shop somewhere. He's, they, everything they make, they sell. Therefore, he's really turning on the pressure for them to increase productivity. And he says, It's holding long. They're working with hammers and with uh, iron and this and that and the other. But if a labor is they're working real hard. And the guy is the son of a gun. And so they work when they're tired. They don't get time off. They don't give them enough water to drink. And nevertheless, they work at it. He's describing the factory process. You understand? They cut the wood. They do the planing. They draw this thing with the line. You know, you, to make an image, you got to, you know, cut out of a big thing of wood. And, you know, according to the image of the idol. By a safe ketav and then the guy comes along and gives it a face. But and he, it should look like a handsome, Tiferes on him, looks like a handsome human, the uh, bites. If you look at the old idols, we, you and I wouldn't consider them handsome, but that's because tastes have changed. Your taste and my taste is now permanently affected by the Greeks. So if we looked at a Greek idol, we actually would consider it handsome. That's usually how people react. Even today, use the expression, he's a Greek god, she's a Greek goddess. Means they're built just right, they're attractive just right. So we have the Greek sensibility. But you understand, like I understand, if you go to African art, if you go to Asian art, their gods represent what they think a good-looking person was like. Uh, but it's all what somebody came up with, as he says over here. You know, uh, you make it to fit a, a human form, hopefully handsome, and now you want to sell it that it should be prominently in your living room. So I walk in your house, and I say like this, that's my idol, man. You bought that from my store. You get it? I got this Mexican, he's great with the faces, you understand? Lichrus are rosin, and these guys go and cut the wood. So he's talking about the guys in the back of the, of the office, of the factory. Because tears of alone. So if you make a wooden idol, there's a certain science to it. And you take some, well, cedar wood, you take uh, other wood, by Amish Boulevard, and somehow, rather, I don't know how they did it, they, uh, you combine it with the woods together to strengthen the whole thing. Because after all, you're buying an idol for me, you want you want a guarantee? He said, "I can This is good for ten years. Get it? Uh, I'm not selling a cheap thing like my competitor across the street. The idol will fall apart in six weeks. I'm selling you something that'll last a lifetime. You get it? But you do that by, as he says before, tears of alone together with arozim. So Yeshayo is mamish going through the industry of creating the idols as part of his mockery of the Jews who make the idols and then believe in them. But not the or is the Geshem Yigadel, and he says over here that he you know goes to the, takes the trees in a forest. He plants a tree. He relies on the rain to make the tree grow. He's now focusing on the wood, because let's take a look at wood. You plant a tree, it comes the rain, and from this wood is going to come an idol, of course. But that's not all it's going to come. He said he's following the the factory process. The uh, Geshem Lo. Okay, now what happens to this tree, this piece of wood that you bought? Well, part of it is for firewood. And you use it to get warm during the winter. You can also use part of the wood of that tree um, for your bakery, you know, to bake bread, fireplace. And also, and the same shtick holtz, the same piece of wood, I cut off. So, you know, I take a big block of wood. 
I cut off part of it for firewood. Because listen, you know, I put I cut off part of it for fuel for the factory. Well, you know, I cut off part of it um, for heat in the winter. You know, now I have a piece left. From this stickle holes left, I'm gonna make a god. You hear? So again, the voyer, that's for firewood. You firewood and then you use it for baking bread. That's your stove uh, for for the kitchen. And then I make a god out of the rest of it. If I just talk and I bow down to it. Also, the same piece of wood I know myself is simply a piece of wood. I'm using part of it for the most mundane purposes. But I fall in for this trap. And the other piece of wood left over, I turn into an idol and I worship one it. And understand well, in the time of Yishayot, people, among other things, sacrifice their children to God's. Right? Even sacrifice with a big item. In the time of these prophets, I'm sorry to say, among the Jews, that's where you get Gehenna from, Geb and Hino, the valley right outside of Jerusalem, is where they used to do the sacrifices for these wooden gods that somebody made. Chetzi of Sarba Moesh, and he's, he's laughing at them. How can it be? You take a stick holes, a piece of wood, part of it you make for firewood, a Chetzi of part of it you make uh, for your stove in the kitchen, you know, for to, to, to cook some meat. You know, so you can have a nice dinner and be satisfied. And you say, ah, I need the heat, you know, in the winter. It's a or this is gvaldic. I have some, uh, I get a little heat in the winter. And whatever's left from that piece of wood, you make it into a god. You bow down to it. In other words, you, by a force of will, by an extraordinary force of imagination, the, the person, and this is the Jews we're talking about here. It's supposed to be smart people. Look how dumb they were. She Risa, whatever's left of the wood, make it into a god. The guy who just used it now bows down to it. And he prays to it. So you have trouble in life. You know, they're invaded, they have sick, this and all the troubles in life. They turn to that piece of wood and they say, You yourself made this. Now, how can they be so stupid? The answer is, you can be so stupid. One can only say that we're going through a period of history in which there's a cataract over their heart and over their eyes, and they simply can't see. They have cataracts over the eyes, meaning they won't see what's in front of them. That's the expression, of course. I mean, literally. It means that, you know... Um, their reasoning faculty is impaired, or their religious faculty, if you wish. Mehaskili uh, bosom, and their heart is covered over. This is what we refer in the Bible as the foreskin of the heart. You see? How can somebody be so dumb to do something like that? The answer is it can happen. It can happen. They can be like that. But Alibo, nothing moves them to return to the heart, meaning to, to start to reason. And they have no das or tuna saying, wait a minute, why am I worshipping this idol? I took half the wood and used it for firewood. And as I said before, I used part of it for cooking a dinner on the stove. To roast a meat on the fire, I took part of the wood. And whatever was left over from that wood, <laughs> so somebody could, so a father comes home Right? They stick holes, a big piece of wood. And he gets together with the wife and he says, like this, all right, we gotta be home economics. How many people are having for dinner? She says, Well, we have an extra three people we're not expecting. 
Okay, so really I was going to take one-third of this piece of wood and use it for firewood. But since you're telling me there are extra people at dinner, I guess I have to take a half the wood and use it for firewood and use it for, for, for cooking. So in other words, the, the, the piece of wood itself is subject to the home economics. And then, whatever's left over, the toevo I'll turn it into an idol, a toevo, and I'll bow down to it. Even though it's a bull eight, it's a stick wood. Roa Afer. I'm dealing with people who are shepherds of Afer, meaning they're dumb beyond belief. Right? You, you know, you should be shepherd of a sheep. Roa Afer. You, you, you're shepherds of dust. Lave Husal, he told. They are led by by uh, uh, crazy hearts. Below Yatsil is now and nobody has enough sense to say, save himself. Hello, Sheker be a Everything I'm doing is Sheker. Nobody's willing to call a spade a spade. Now, to be perfectly honest, part of this was due to the reign of terror by the king, but it's also true that the king succeeded in corrupting the people. Unfortunately, it is the nature of Unazor idolatry that it spreads like wildfire once you let it go. There is no Yetzar of Unazor among the Jewish people today, the Chazal tell us ever since they were about but you get the general idea that it was an addiction. It was addictive. And this is reflecting that. Uh, and so he's saying over here, uh, Nobody calls a spade a spade and says the emperor has no clothes. There's sheker be mini. Then in my right hand, meaning what I'm doing is all sheker. They won't see it. Uh, and so the result is that you have a very, very bitter speech by Isaiah. Now, we never end Haftorah on a bad note. That's the style of the Chazal who assemble and put together the Haftorahs. And so you always steal from somewhere else to end on some kind of a good note. And so, as a result, you know, the add-on, and, and, and maybe Yeshayah, when he edited his book, did the same thing. And therefore, the last Pesukim are a little bit, what shall I say, um, nicey-nice. But the heart of it is what I just told you, which is, the guy walked through the factory business, he walked through the wood business, he saw people creating idols, and then worshipping them. Right? And you yourself made the idol. You understand? And I can only assume... <coughs> I can only assume, the way he's describing it, that in his time, things degenerated to such a degree that people really did believe that once they created an idol, it assumed some sort of magical powers. Not simply this idol was a symbol of something different, but rather it was a navad mamish, that they thought, yes, I made it, but once it's commissioned, once it has its form, its face in the other business, something magical happens. And how? I don't know, because I'm not an idol worshiper. And, you know, even Shai is standing from the outside trying to understand it. But you see, the people had such a theology, and he can't stand ending on this point, so he says, You know, I will remember that you're always my people. The famous Pesukim. Just do tshuva and return to me. This is an artificial ending. Okay? I mean, I'm all in favor of artificial endings, but the real ending is, is a few seconds back when he basically says that we're dealing in a time in Jewish history where the public is blind. Okay? Now, they're willfully blind. They won't face facts. 
They won't look in the mirror, and as he puts it, they won't say Al Sheker Bimini. Tochinim Meros, Libosam, whatever expression was, Mehaskil Libosam. There's cataracts, there's skin covering their eyes and their hearts. To be perfectly honest, you know, this happens from time to time. I would say, for example, in, in a certain way, this is true today for many Jews, unfortunately, sorry to say. Uh, you know, they just don't get it, as we would say. <clears throat> you understand? You know, you say, well, don't you hop? Don't you see you're doing during the wrong derech? Think, for example, of these uh, anti-Jewish Jews or former, this, that, whatever you, whatever you want. Um, don't you get it? Don't you see what you're doing? Don't you see is, is, is going down the road of doom? No, they don't. Tache name rose, libosum haskil. So, uh, uh, now, Yeshaya lived long enough for a reaction to come in. And that was Chizkiyahu came in when the when Ochaz when died. And Chizkiyahu tried his best to undo all this, everything you see. Uh, but in the long run, Chizkiyahu died 25 years later. And then Menashe came in. And Menashe was just like Ochaz, uh, but worse. And Menashe killed the prophet Isaiah. So he was condemned to have a live through very tumultuous times. Like a roller coaster, um, <clears throat> as you see over here. The reason that this is the haftorah for Vayikra is because Vayikra is that if you're going to do carbonus and all that stuff, do it for Hashem. Uh, what's worse is you don't do it for Hashem and you do it for an idol. In the middle is you don't do it for Hashem, you don't do it for anybody. What's worse is you don't do it for Hashem, you do do it for an idol, and that's where things were holding over there. So it's a uh, ringing uh, uh, indictment of, uh, what shall I say, Jewish uh, stupidity is the best word, but it's more than that, you know, uh, a hard-heartedness. And um, and it shows you, by the way, it was not fun to be a prophet, you know. I mean, you, your job was to call out spade to spade and tell the public what's happening, you know, get it on record, as we would say, and he certainly did get it on record. Uh, but it must not have been a fun time to live in. On uh, that inspiring note... I wish you all a good Shabbos, and again, we thank Yosh Levinger and the family, and the recent made a wedding, and uh, I wish everyone a, a, a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.